Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have special guests for the Covering Foundation, Rashonda Kelly, Marquita, Julian Kelly, and DeAndre Hotch. A little background about the Covering Foundation. Last year when George Floyd's death occurred and the murder of George Floyd, I should say, and there were protests occurring, I had the pleasure of becoming acquainted with these three amazing individuals in the Covering Foundation. They were, in, they were in a support role offering food and support to people who were in the midst of the protests in Tampa. One of the reasons I want to have the Covering Foundation on the show is because they protect and su- support uh, LGBTQ rights. I'm going to get into that in a second, and then I'm going to bring them on. But the Covering Foundation believes in a world where all people are free to express their gender identity, and sexual orientation with pride. This nonprofit envisions a space of solitude and peace for all LGBTQ members and their families. And they're committed to protecting LGBTQ rights and safeguarding one's ability to feel comfortable with themselves. The Covering Foundation strives to offer comfort and support to everyone in the community through their amazing service and outreach. 
And if anyone would like to reach out to them after this show concludes, you can reach out to the Covering Foundation via email at thecoveringfoundationinc at gmail.com. And they also have handles on Instagram and Facebook, which would be the Covering Foundation. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Rashonda, Marquita, and DeAndre to the show. Welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> Hey guys. Hey Jason. Hey, Jason. hey How are you guys, doing everyone? today? Oh, it's such a pleasure. Today? It's an honor. We're doing great. I, I'd like to ask you first, how did you guys develop the Covering Foundation and when did you first found this organization? The Covering Foundation was pretty much birthed out of uh, real life experiences that me and my wife went through. Um, you know, coming up in the LGBTQ community, being from the African-American community and being from the Baptist church community, um, there was a lot of struggle once we did uh, decide to come out and be open with our relationship. Well, not even with our relationship, but with our lives in general. There was a lot of things that we, you know, experienced, a lot of struggles that we went through that, you know, we just felt when we did get an opportunity to where we could make those struggles light for someone else, we would strive to do that. So um, about nine years ago, when me and my wife first met, um, we are, I had told her, I said, you know, being um, LGBTQ, being gay is something that is not easy. I don't think anyone would do it by choice because of the oppression that we actually face. And the reason that I was having that conversation with her was because you know, she was a straight woman. She was not a part of the LGBTQ community upon those meetings. And I just wanted to be as open, as transparent with her as possible as to what to expect and the expectations that was set before her, um, you know, getting into a relationship with me. And much having that conversation with her, you know, our relationship went on. And throughout that time, experiencing being homeless, experiencing family abandonment, experiencing friends not understanding you and turning their backs on you. We went through a lot of struggles. But while in those struggles, um, we would do things like uh, make lunches and, you know, little meals for the homeless people that would be around in Miami. Miami has a very, very big, big um, homeless population in our downtown area. So because we didn't have anywhere to sleep at night and we were sleeping in our cars, what we would do is we would make sandwich bags and, we would drop them off to the homeless tents and the homeless people we would see sleeping at night so that when they wake up, they would actually have breakfast or have something to actually eat. And uh, we did that for about a good six to seven months. And uh, we then actually relocated to Tampa, Florida, where we took a rest period. And uh, things kind of got slow as we relocated. But uh, when George Floyd died, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement sprung into action. And we just felt compelled, you know, that, you know, we should operate and be there to support. It wasn't about, you know, LGBTQ. It wasn't about Black Lives Matter to us. To us, it was about, you know, covering everybody in its entirety because it was so many different race and so many different people and so many different things that were going on. Everybody was protesting, and I just saw the need. Who was there to support the protesters? Who was going to give them bottles of water while they was out there in the sun marching? Who was going to ensure that there was a car there for them to get some air conditioning when they passed out? 
you know, who was going to give them food to energize them to keep going. So I saw the need that was there. And me and my wife, we sprung into action, and we just started to use the resources that we had. We remembered those conversations when we had, when we were homeless, and we were saying that we wanted to help. And at this particular time, we were stable in Tampa. We, you know, had good jobs. And we we had the funds that were needed to sow a seed. So we had a need, and we sowed the seed, actually. So we got up. We started to buy food and water, and we started to make sandwiches and buy little energy bars and energy drinks. And we would go out to the protesters, and we would hand them out. And we would set up events, and we would set up tents at these events, and we would give out food, and we would feed the community, all to show that we would cover them in any way that we saw fit. And my good friend DeAndre, he actually was living in Jacksonville at the time, and, you know, he was working for a Fortune 500 company. And and it's crazy, you know, when somebody sees a vision and when they're really compelled in your heart, is pulling you towards something greater than yourself, you align with that. So he came down to um, one of our events we were doing in Tampa. We were feeding the homeless. Um, and he came down and he saw how passionate we, we were and how passionate the people of Tampa was about it and the fight and the community and how the college students had got behind us. And he, he was compelled to just stay and link up with us. And since that day, we've been a team of three. And we just go around in the community and we we fulfill the need, whatever is needed to be done. If it's feeding the homeless, if it's feeding the community, if it's, you know, feeding them with knowledge, food, whatever it is, wisdom, we, we try to fulfill those needs. Absolutely. And that's a lot to unpack. And I, I want to break this down a little bit because you live by your own example, the kind of things that you're serving to protect now. And mm-hmm. I just want to go in. I want to go into that just in terms of your own background, because I know you mentioned that you had your family actually abandon you and then you had a period of homelessness yourself. And then you went through those struggles and that was the, the moving point for you to do where you, the things you're doing right now at the covering foundation, how, when you went through your, your family issues, how did you pick yourself up? I know there's a lot of people that probably listen to this and they might have issues with their own families, with their own gender identity or something. And I I just, I I wanted to ask you that because there might be someone in the audience that listens to this and gets inspired to have the inner strength and the fortitude you you have, you and your wife. And I I, I would ask you, like, what, 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 what was it like for you to pick yourself up and, and, and and keep going when your family, you know, abandoned you? And and when you say family abandoned, you mean your entire family or do you mean it was a main family member or, you know, what, what was the hardest part about that? And how did you, and I mean, it's more so, about the part of picking yourself up and surviving it than highlighting the, right. the hard part of it, but you know, that's not in a vacuum. So. Yeah. Yeah. I get it 100%. So it, it's like, you know, Jason, we, we use the term family abandonment loosely. And I just want to clarify that um, when you live a homosexual lifestyle. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know, what is going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Um, it's like one of the hardest things for a homosexual to do is to accept that that they're homosexual. 
And when you do finally accept that and you decide that you're ready to live your life openly and freely, a lot of people, a lot of family members, they can't understand and they can't relate, you know, because of how we were raised or how we were brought up, um, our religious belief, Christianity, being Baptist, you know, being different um, denominations in the church gave us diff- gave our family different insight on how to deal with things. And I don't want to set the tone when I say abandonment as if we were shunned away, but in, in such a way that you are. And what I mean by that is, like, you're no longer looked at for who you are. You're no longer looked at for just the person you are. You're now looked at as the person that, oh, that's Shonda and she's gay. Oh, you know, that's Keita, he's gay, you know. And it, it's a difficult to, it's difficult because, you family members begin to make statements like, oh, I love you anyway, you know, and they don't anyway. understand that those are very offensive terms or, you know, they'll support or, you know, represent or be there for other family members that live a heterosexual lifestyle when you don't get the same re- support and the same response from family members because of the lifestyle that you choose to, you know, to live. It even goes as far as when you face struggles in your life, you know, family will say things like you're going through those things because of the lifestyle you've chosen to live. All to say as if, you know, being homosexual is a lifestyle that one would choose. And like I was saying earlier, it's such adversity when you live a homosexual lifestyle that I don't know anyone that would just ironically have a choice whether to be straight and gay and just choose to be gay because you know what comes with that. You know the oppression that comes with that. So it's not something that you would just choose to do. It's something that you were born to do. It's it's who you are genetically. And if you could change it, a lot of people probably would. But then there's a lot of us who are happy with who we are. We celebrate who we are. You know, we, we are one at peace with who we it. are. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change, change it. I think it's it a good thing. Yeah, right. for sure. We wouldn't change it for the world. But family members don't understand that, so they don't respond to you. For example, when me and my wife went through our period of homelessness, it wasn't because we didn't have anywhere to go. It was simply we didn't have anywhere to go and still be who we are. Um, I could go home to my mom, but my wife couldn't go home to my mom with me. We, she could go home to her mom, but I couldn't go home to her parents with her. You know, um, it was, you know, if you guys are out there. In it the was street, conditional I love. Right. It's conditional. It was conditional love, not, not unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not unconditional love. And that's that's a major sense of abandonment, you know. And, um we went through that struggle. And the one thing that, that picked me up is I'll be honest with you. I'm a very spiritual person. And I know, I believe that (laughs) (laughs) I believe that God puts us through things to build character, you know, to, to build who we are. We went through trials and tribulations in our life only to be who we are today. And the one thing that got me out of it was believing that he would never leave me nor forsake me. You know, he always told me that, you know, he'll make my bed for me. He'll be with me whether I made my bed in hell or not. So with that being said, every time we were sleeping in that car or washing up in a Burger King or washing up in a in a gas station, you know, I would say, I can't wait till this was over. 
I always knew that I would be something more, that this wasn't what he had in store for me. So that's the one thing that kept me grounded. I knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Even if I couldn't see the light, I knew if I kept riding with him, the light would eventually pierce. So with that being said, I just never gave up on who God had promised me that I was. I had had dreams. I had saw visions. I saw myself. I knew who he had called me to be. And I was not going to allow anything in my life to tell me otherwise, because I know that he he's not a man that shall lie. So with that in my mind, I just always knew, well, this is just something that I got to go through. Well, it was always reminding myself, it's, it's a reason I'm going through this. What is it that I have to learn? What is it that he's trying to show me? You know, I never took it as I'm not going to get through it or this is my end. I always fought to the bare end. And I tell my wife every day, I'm, I'm, we laugh around the house because I tell them that I'm a sugar badger. That's what, that's what, <laughs> a honey badger. That's what got me through it. That's what kept me up, being a honey, having the spirit of a honey badger. I never stopped fighting. I never gave up. I never saw an end. And to this day, I don't see an uh-huh. end. I believe the yeah. Covering Foundation is going to cover all over the world. That's a beautiful fabric idea. When you mentioned honey badger, I've heard that before. Where is that term from? It sounds familiar to me. Have you talked about that, that before? That's actually, yeah, that's that's actually an animal. It, it's actually a real animal. It's a honey badger. And they okay. are of, okay. I believe, the, the skunk. They come from the, the skunk. <laughs> and uh, okay. Okay. they are really fighters. They're vicious. <laughs> I didn't know if they were a mascot for a team or something. I wasn't sure. Uh, if, uh, that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I want to ask you this. Uh, can you share with our audience how I met you? Because I thought that that was a cool story. <laughs> uh, we were in Tampa, and it was like a yeah. Saturday protest or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? We did that? a big, big protest. Yeah, I remember we did a big protest that Saturday. We had everybody come out from Tampa. We actually did a, um, we did like two-mile walk on that protest, and we took yeah. over, um, what was it, Riverwalk? Curtis Hickson Park. Yeah. Curtis Hickson. Yes, Curtis Hickson Park. That was Curtis Hickson Park. And I remember you walking around, and you stuck out like a sore thumb, bro. You stuck out. And I remember you walking around, and you came right up to me, and you started, and we talked, and we connected. And I'll never forget, I was standing in the middle of the field in tears because he was reading me and talking to me, and I had never met somebody that would could read like that to me. Because people would always come to me and ask me to read them or give them a word of what they see. And it was like to meet someone who was so accurate and someone who could do the same thing. It was, it was refreshing and it was overwhelming. It was powerful. And I'm standing in the middle of the field and I'm crying. And my wife looked over like, what's this white guy doing to my, to my wife? <laughs> and she comes walking up. And when she hears what you're saying, she just shake her head and like, yep, he got her. <laughs> I think it was a beautiful man. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I I went to the protest a couple weeks earlier, and you know it's funny. I I don't know if I really told the story much on the show, but I I told you pre privately that I'll share it now. My mom wanted me to get her cigarettes, and I went to go get her cigarettes, and what happened was 
the, the, the original protest I went to, the road got shut down. And I got out of the car and I asked an officer who was there, a law enforcement officer, what's going on? And he said, oh, they're over there. And I was like, I saw all these protesters. So I decided to go check it out. And that's when I got very passionate about all this stuff. And um, I remember when I went to the different ones, everyone's so amazing. And when I met you guys, I, I felt at home, immediately at home. I just felt comfortable talking to you guys. And I, I really yeah. respected and deeply appreciated what you're trying to do and what you are doing. Not trying, you're already doing. You know, you, you yeah. put your you put your actions in, into 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 place. And so, you know, for me, it's fun <laughs> having our dynamic to keep in touch with you and, and try to plan future things. And I'm excited about what's coming up. It's been a really tough year. And you know, you guys were like the shining brightness for me in June of 2020 because that was a really turbulent period for everybody. And I feel yeah, like man, it was it, all, was it was such a dark time. Yeah. It was such a dark time for everybody. Oh. It was it was a learning experience for us all, to say the least. Yeah. And um, I can tell you this though, out out of out of all the protests, what I did see was I saw a lot of love too. You know, yeah. like a lot of bad things went down, but out of it all, I like to look for the silver lining. And what I did see was. I saw people putting their differences aside. I saw people putting aside their color. I saw people putting aside their nationality. And I saw people coming together to say, hey, man, yeah, like, forget that. Sexual orientation didn't matter. Nothing mattered. What mattered was that everybody was on one accord and that everybody was trying to be heard and that they were heard. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectroCast. You know, George Floyd was wrongly killed. You know, his death was wrong. And it saddens my heart to, to know that it takes a life in order for us to come together to show that we can work together. But um, I, I do take my hat off and I give an homage to, the, to George Floyd and his family, to his daughter, Absolutely. and to all of his loved ones that, that suffered, um, to the community, to the world, because when I see him, I see him as a sacrifice. You know, like things things have the not sacrificial been lamb, the same. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. He, he was definitely a sacrificial lamb. Things have not been the same since um, he has he has transitioned, and I bu- I do believe you know, that his transition was not in void. It wasn't for no reason. It was because organizations like the Covering Foundation needed to be birthed. If George Floyd would have never died, then there would have never been protesters for us to protect. There would have never been people for us to feed, because they would have never came together as one. You, we were not there to protest. I'll, I'll say this. I won't he say sacrificial lamb. I think he is the catalyst. He's like a Rosa Parks, but he is the person Absolutely. that we're always going to look back on. 50, 100, he 150, 200 years world. from now. 
he changed the world through his actions and what happened to him, but it, his death is going to change and transform our society permanently in the world probably. I still believe Absolutely. that. I still believe. Absolutely. And, you know, even though there's, there's so much blowback going on right now and there's a lot of hate out there, you know, the, the newest one is these attacks on Asian Americans and anyone they deem other. I've had friends of mine that I knew my whole life that I'm, I'm not close with mm-hmm. anymore because we have different views on these things. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care if somebody stops that's talking to me because I feel the way I feel, you know? And that's where I change on a personal level. I'm outspoken. I have my views and I stand by them. And uh, Absolutely. I, for, for you guys, I want to I put this on a positive note. And I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what's been the most rewarding thing that you've been able to do so far with the Covering Foundation with your experience that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, man. Oh, so many things. So many gratifying moments. <laughs> Like, like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, like, okay. So, for me, and I, I'll let these guys get a word in. I know the audience is tired of hearing me. <laughs> um, for me, <laughs> I'd have to say when, when we got back to Miami, we moved back with all of our things, and when we got here, we realized we had so much things, and um, we were able to actually furnish an entire house for a family, a needy family here in the homestead area in Miami. We were able to give them bedroom sets, a living room set, everything. And it was so gratifying because it made me remember when me and my wife first got our apartment after being homeless, we moved in with a black garbage bag of clothes and we didn't have anything to sit or sleep on. So, you know, just two years later to be able to, you know, give a whole apartment to someone was was confirmation that we were going in the right direction. It was confirmation that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that must have been the greatest, the most grateful moment for me. That's amazing. That's amazing. For me, for me. Um, Welcome to the show, Marquita. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Hey, Jason. Right. <laughs> um, for me, um. One of the best moments with the Covering Foundation was the families that we've been able to see since we started the Covering Foundation. I remember um, times when me and my wife were homeless and, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to eat and we needed to feed our girls and, you know, we would have, like, come up with two bugs and we were able to get food for them, but we wouldn't have food for ourselves. Um, I remember times where when we did get our pace at first and we didn't have the funds and, you know, we needed household items like toiletries and, you know, those different things. And we didn't have access to those. But the Cover Foundation has been able to bless families with those type of things, toiletries, household items, um, food, et cetera. So, you know, God gives to who he could give. God gives through who he can give to. So with that being said, this has been the best moment for me with working with the Cover Foundation. Hey, Jason. DeAndre, welcome to the show, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Hello. Um, For for me personally, I would have to say um, the ability to uh, to create a space um, where people can just have an awesome open time and just relax and just be themselves genuinely. Being um, working with the Covering Foundation and being a part of the the Covering Foundation through the events such as like the family reunion and other events that we put on, it allows persons who haven't had an experience just to just really just genuinely be yourself 
um, in a societal um, space, like, you know, just be able to exist and just be comfortable, um, for me to be able to see that coming from, you know, the Caribbean and not having that space actually prevalent in, you know, in the islands to this date, um, just being able to see that and being a part of that has been transformative for me personally. So I, I would have to say that was the most impactful for me. Okay. Okay. I can understand that. And having that safe place does make a true difference in certain ways, I can imagine. It, it makes you feel more accepted, and it makes you realize that you're not alone. Yes. Yes, and you know, with um, coming from the LGBTQ community, piggyback off of what Rashonda was saying, in the beginning, you know, a lot of us don't have families. We don't have families. So the Covering Foundation is like a family. You know, we're your family away from your family. You know, a lot of people get shunned from their family. So when we were out here in the beginning, you know, we didn't have anyone. We didn't have that family to turn to. So it's like we built our own family, and that's what the Covering Foundation is, and we want people to know, like, hey, we're your family. You know, reach out to us. Yep. Um, absolutely. Anytime absolutely. We're really big on Jason. What's you that? can also let the audience know, like let the audience know, like we really offer a lot of mentorship programs. We offer programs with um like, you know, life coaching. So um, you know, when people want to just talk, you can email us if you want to write us a letter, we'll write you back. If you just wanna, you know, schedule a conversation with us. We also do marriage counseling, um, things like that. We're here for our LGBTQ community. Um, a lot of people in the urban community and our less fortunate community and our urban community, they don't reach out to the programs that's offered to them because they don't see a lot of people that look like them. So the Covering Foundation, we're really trying to create a space for, you know, the urban community, the African-American community, for, you know, the brown-faced community to be able to say, hey, there's a home for us, <clears throat> excuse me, and not only do we want to educate the LGBTQ community, but their families. Jason, it's really important that, um, and this is important for our audience to know that we understand and we recognize that when you do become LGBTQ, when you are a part of our lives, that it's a, it's, it's a difficult pill for the family to swallow as well. And like I was saying, coming from different religious backgrounds, you're taught things. But, you know, some families, they want to learn. They want to know how to love their kids. They want to know how to respond to them. And we're here. There's no programs out right now that would that's openly teaching heterosexual families how to be there for their transgender children, how to be there for their LGBTQ children. You know, like, it's it's very rare, you know, for a heterosexual man to not offend his transgender son, you know. So it's some men out there that might want to know, hey, what terms can I use to not offend him? You know, how can I have a conversation with my son or with my daughter and let them know that I do still love them? Can you educate me on your culture or on your, your way of living or your thought process so that I could be more aware and more understanding. So we offer those type of um, skills and outreach programs as well. So you can reach us if you just need someone to talk to, you want to look at understanding. We want to bridge the gap between families and the lack of understanding because I believe we are perishing due to that. 
So um, just know that we're here and we don't mind being transparent and opening up. You know, we offer, we even do study sessions. We, we offer what we call vent sessions. And it's where we all get on the phone and we vent and we talk and we, we actually, you know, counsel each other and we try to encourage each other. What we want to do is we want to show the world that we can create successful, you know, successful citizens, you know, that we can contribute to our culture and our community like anyone else. We want to break the stereotype. Amen. Absolutely. I want to ask you this, because this is something that I'm itching to ask, and I just need to. Can you give me the unique perspective of LGBTQ rights or LGBTQ recognition in the African-American community? Because that's something I think we talked about a while back that gave me some insight. My background, I grew up in a small town in New Jersey, and I had a little bubble there. And I would be curious to have you share that with our audience because it was very thought-provoking for me when I heard that there's pressures that are might be unique and different than in other communities. So you're saying like what we go through in the African American community? Yeah, as far I'll, I'll, as I'll as give you an example. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's say that you're an African American male and you're living wherever I don't know an urban area. I'll pick pick a city if we say Miami or Tampa, for example, and you realize <laughs> that you're 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 LBG, LGBTQ, you know, you're gay. How how mm. would a unique pressure be for that person? Because I, I had someone oh, bring man. that up to me on a prior show, and it made me think about it. Oh man, that wow. Oh man. So you know what? That that's actually great. That's a great question because I just had that conversation with my um my heterosexual cousin the other day. I had to explain to her um it's a this bit different. Growing up in Miami, Miami in the city is not like what they show you on the TV. So I know you guys see a lot of the South Beach and the glitz and the glamour, but that's one part of the bridge. Um, when you grow up in the actual inner city of Miami where it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So when you're growing up in there and you're coming out as gay, it's not easy because there's already an expectation that's set for you. So you dealing with with your brothers, you dealing with your cousins that feel embarrassed. You know, if you're a man, if you're a boy, and you're telling your your brothers and your cousins and your dad, oh, I don't think I'm a boy, I think I'm a girl, man, they're gonna want to beat that out of you. I remember when my mom found out that I was gay. My mom found out that I was a lesbian from a letter she found in my room. You know, and when she found the letter, her first words to me were, you're gay, you better get the F out my house. You know, so it was a conversation, right? And at the time, I'm in the 10th grade, you know what I'm saying? So, right, it's a lie, you know. I have have friends and, and friend guys and distant cousins who are, you know, down low because of that. They stay in that area of down low. They stay in that area of in the closet because of the stereotype, because of what they'll go through. They'll have to fight for them lives. Um, in Miami, you get killed for it a lot of times. You know, like in the black community, Jason, you, and you have grown up in a black community, you don't have funds and money. So there's no way for you to go and get pills to to adjust your t- testosterone. So 
So if you're a young man and you're telling your parents that you're transgender, they're not taking you to the doctor to get you hormonal pills that you need. So you're walking around with the full beard and a, with a wig on your face, and you have on a skirt mm. and a dress. You literally look like a man in a dress. There's not any companies that are going to hire you. You understand? Like, it's difficult to yeah. find work like it's Right. They don't want to rent apartments to you. You can't walk in the grocery store. Me as a woman right now, because I dress masculine, when I go in the grocery store, I'm looked at. I have a hard time opening bank accounts. Right now, we're having a difficult time opening a bank account for the Covering Foundation because every time me and my wife walk into the bank, we're stereotyped. One, we're black. <laughs> Two, you can tell we're from urban America. And then three, we're, we're homosexual. So the first thing they do is they look at me as a woman dressed in masculine. They turn that away, you know, and it's like, it's a disadvantage. So it's difficult all the way account. around. So Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I difficult. I, 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 oof. It's, it's, it, it's it, it shocks me to hear that, but it doesn't shock me to hear that at the yeah. same time, especially with, I, oh, I feel more awoken out than ever in my life, you know, in the last eight months, nine months oh, since man. June of last year. It's, uh, it's it's um it's insane to me to think that that's still the way the you know that we're dealing with a world like that right now still and and it just makes me want to change the world we're in right now somehow it gets you frustrated you know I've had and, to change and, my kids' schools at least three times because once the, the teachers find out that my daughters have two moms they begin to get mistreated they get discriminated upon they start whispering and then my kids are coming home oh the teachers are saying I got two moms and you know, it's it's all kind of stuff, and the kids start talking to my 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 kids all kind of ways. So it's a lot when you decide to walk this life, especially being of African American descent. That's a, that's a lot heavier of a toll than than anything I I know. Looking at how our society's been, and and I'm only getting glimpses Absolutely. of it because I'm, you know, just I feel like I'm I'm opening my eyes as much as I can, but. Until you actually walk in your shoes and deal with your experiences firsthand, I'm not going to experience that all together. You know, I one of the things I wanted to do from go ahead. Sorry, we're gonna say. I was gonna say in we're camp gonna, where you guys are located right now, Jason. One of the biggest yeah. issues that the Covenant Foundation was fighting against in Tampa is there's a motel called the Tampa Inn Motel right across the street from Bush Gardens, and this is the hotel that all of the homosexuals go and chance then to go and stay in. If you go past that hotel, you'll notice, you remember I was just telling you, like, if you can't get hormonal pills, you look like a man in woman's clothes, right? Well, they can't get jobs. So what they do is they go out and they sell themselves throughout the day and night to try to pay for a room oh. in that hotel. And that hotel allows them to pay, like, $20, $30 a day to have a roof over their heads. There's no way to cook in a hotel room or store food. And it's like groups so, and groups. Yeah, and it's, it's groups. It's, it's hundreds of them in there. So the Covering Foundation would go there, and we would hand out food and plates and stuff like that to the ones that are in there whenever we can catch them. But it, it's a big problem in the African-American community that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking that? about. How do you change it? <laughs> Well, our way, what, we, what we've what we been thinking of doing is, well, we're, we're working on trying to find a way that we can get ourselves in position 
to where we can find governmental assistance that could supply us or some type of way we can get supplied with the pills that the transgenders need in order to, you know, adjust their hormones. We want to find a way to actually help them, like if we can get some LGBTQ clinics um, brought up, you know, because to work with us because when homosexuals and transgenders go into clinics and into doctor's offices, they get discriminated upon. They don't want to be, nobody wants to help them or work on them. So we don't go, you know, and I can attest to that myself. We're looking into ways to where we could get grants and funding so we can um, provide, like, housing. We want to transition house, you know, because we do have a lot of homeless LGBTQ and transgenders out there. So we want to be able to provide, like, we don't want to call it a homeless shelter. We want to call it, like, a, um, a safe house. And it's like it's a transition house, you know, where they come and, you know, they stay there for a certain amount of months. And, you know, we help them get on their feet, you know, get the mess they need, get jobs, prepare them for out there going into the world so they can get their own housing and stuff. And we can work with different apartments where we will have that relationship with where when they do go to apply for that apartment, you know, they won't get looked upon, you know, in a negative way, you know, where they can just go like any other normal human being and just apply for an apartment and get it honestly off the hard work that they put in and their dedication. That makes a lot of sense. You know what I want to know? I want to know this. How do we change society's views on these issues? Because I feel like there's a brick wall up and that when people are intolerant or they don't, they, they just have these viewpoints that they don't change. What do you do with that? You, you know, you can, you can only do so much with like it's people like who, racism, who don't racism. understand. Right. Yeah. How do you yeah. change the racism? What do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. It's a, it's a top behavior, man. It's a top behavior. So the only way that that can be changed is to unteach the negative thought behavior. Like we as parents, you know, we teach our kids. Our kids come into this world knowing nothing, zilch, nada. What we show them, what we exemplify, what we teach them is what they grow up living on. You know, and some of them, some of us, we, we stand up and we think for ourselves and we get our own views and, you know, we go a different route, but most of them, are embedded with the religion and the taught behaviors that they were taught from a child. They were taught these hateful things. They were taught these selfish behaviors. They were taught these narcissistic desires. Like, they, these are taught behaviors. The only way we can change this is to acknowledge, you know, what it is that we're doing wrong and to correct it. And that starts at the top as parents, as the head. I will tell you that starts yeah. at the top of our government system, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand That's what you're saying. You know, looking at it too from a vantage point of hoping that things can change, I, I'm hopeful that things are going to change moving forward now that we have, you know, some opportunity, but it's always hard because as soon as we have some improvement in, in a situation, there's three steps back, one step forward, three steps back. It's like, like the Derek Chauvin trial right now. I'm praying to God that he gets prosecuted for murder because that's what it is. And let's hope at some point next week, that's what happens. That's my goal. I pray for that because that person needs to go put away. <laughs> and and um, I, I, I'm in the greens with you 100%, but because I, because I feel like George Floyd's death, it, it, it shook some things up. It brought some things to light, but it did not change much. So if, 
next week comes around and he's not convicted for murder, I will definitely be hurt, but I won't be surprised. Well, I can say two things about that. Being an attorney, I pray that the justice system holds up correctly and the jury makes the right decision. And as an American, I pray our constitutional system is upheld with this kind of a challenge to it. But the one thing I'll say is, I don't know if you've been following the trial, but the one thing I'm encouraged about is that you actually have all that, all those high-level law enforcement officers testifying against Chauvin, that he failed to right, follow right. procedure and that he went against training and that he... So I feel like there's a good possibility, I'd say over 60% possibility of a conviction. And I think it's going to set at least one thing in a positive direction, but after a tragic, tragic yeah. murder, that one person will be held responsible. All those officers should be held responsible, not just one. So, because they didn't fight him holding him down. You know, when you think about a counterfeit $20 bill and someone gets handcuffed and restrained and a knee on the neck for over nine minutes, and then now we've got to go through this entire elaborate procedure to prove guilt, in my opinion, (laughs) how, how Mm -hmm. how do you have to prove that? The video roll is right there. Go to that and look at the evidence. And the good thing is all these people are being brought up to show how horrible Chauvin was. I don't I mean to go on a diatribe about that, but it's just that synchronicity because we met in, Ju- in June of last year and right now that trial mm-hmm. is going on. So there's things in the, in the mix right now that are very interrelated and connected. Yeah, you're absolutely I, right. You know what? I am hopeful about the future. You know, I'm hopeful about the future because through all the stuff that we talked about, we're able to build bridges with one another. And there are a lot of people doing that right now. People are building bridges, not walls. And so right. we're bridging gaps. Hopeful. I'm hopeful in our right? justice system. I'm in agreement with you. I'm definitely hopeful in our in our justice system, Jason, because I'll tell you this, as an African-American, and I'm, I'm speaking on my own behalf. I, this is as for myself. Um, we do face a lot of struggle and a lot of oppression in these great United States of America. But I will say this, I would not rather be in any other country than these great United States of America. Um, So with that being said, I am definitely hopeful in our justice system. I love my country, and I know that we could right our wrongs. We haven't become this great. You know, we're, we're a great country, and we have we're a very powerful country, and we haven't accomplished that by doing everything wrong. We've been doing something right. And there is someone in our justice system that is going to do right. So I believe that with George Floyd, death, there has been a shifting. There has been a shaking in the atmosphere. And it has given me way more hope in our justice system than I've had in the, before and in a long time. So I'm praying that in the near future, that things get better, that things overturn, that we begin to look at each other with a lot more love and compassion than right. we have been. Right. And I believe Absolutely. that's what it's going to take to make a to make a change in this world. We have to realize that we all bleed the same blood. Amen. If we can't understand that, then there's nothing that we'll ever get right. Well, and the, and the one good thing about human nature and, and, and humanity is that we can change, we can learn, and we can evolve and grow. So you can That's teach it. people 
I mean, you know, there's so many examples of that. People who, who used to be white supremacists and now they're not, and they've learned how to, <laughs> it's like leaving a cult. They learned how to, how to, how to, how to learn larger perspectives and, and not be teaching hate or upholding those intolerance. I'm talking, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and this is definitely a deep conversation. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's deep. Ever since the day we met at, at Curtis Hickson Park, Jason, we've always had great conversations, man. And I believe that we're going to put our great minds together, and we're going to be a part of this change. We're, we're, we're going to do something. I'm so excited. Well, I'm, super, I'm super excited. You know, <laughs> let, me, let me bring this up to you because I think this is something that should be uh, brought up here. Since we met in June of last year, I feel like I've enjoyed an amazing opportunity to just get to know you guys better and see what you do firsthand. And, and, and our talks have really been such a, a breath, fresh, breath of fresh air for me. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to talk about this stuff on the air, too. I wanted to share with you, because we talked about this last summer, and of course, with COVID, it was hard to make it happen. But now with the pandemic potentially reversing itself, I figured we could bring it up here, here in Tampa. Um, one of the ideas we were talking about was doing Hands Across Riverwalk. And um, the river oh, walk man. is like a mi- two miles in Tampa, I think it is, two to three miles across in length. And we were thinking about doing that. I, I would wait until the COVID thing is down, you know, done. And at some point in the yeah. future, I'd like to follow up with you guys and, and look into setting that up when the time is right. If we can do that, it'd be a solidarity thing. Basically, the idea was to have people hold hands across river walk in support of equality and in support of, of tolerance and increased love and awareness and support BLM and support everything you know equality for all and that we're all one and hey, I think man, that, that if we you, go ahead. you have our 100 percent support we're well, definitely absolutely. absolutely i'm ready to do it tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and 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 not hiding anything there but well, many years ago they did something called hands across america and we were thinking to do something with tampa and and just doing like a solidarity thing because with all the negativity that this world has experienced any signs of positivity i feel like heals and inspires and that's what i love about working and talking to you guys is not only on a personal level i feel inspired and healed but on a macro level i feel like we could do some amazing things together by putting our minds at it and and doing it so that's what i'm excited about going forward at some point when that happens let me ask you this looking at the big picture right now where you guys are with 2021 what is coming up for the covering foundation and how can our audience find out about getting involved more with you so that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that, Jason, because I wanted to tell you um, our focus right now, what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to bring awareness to the achievers of the LGBTQ community. So we're wanting to kind of get with um, different leaders in different cities in each city, Tampa, St. Pete, Jacksonville, Orlando, Miami. We kind of want to uh, go Florida? to each. Yeah, throughout Florida. Sorry, we kind of want to touch down in each one of those cities. Yeah, and what we want to do, Jason, is we kind of want to do like a, a big award show, if you will, um, kind of giving acknowledgement and bringing awareness to the activists in that city, um, to the people in that city that are doing entrepreneurship work, to the LGBTQ in that city that is that's making a difference that's bringing awareness to the BLM, you know, all the activists, all the people, all the LGBTQs in those different cities, we kind of want to go ahead and 
bring awareness to them in each city. So our focus right now, we're planning on that. We want to start in Miami, and Tampa is going to be our next stop. And we want to come and we want to put on an actual award show. We want to give them their roses now for the work that they're doing. Kind of give them encouragement to keep moving forward. And if anyone is interested in working with us, teaming up with us to bring this to life, nominating anyone in the city, please reach out to us via our email. It's the Covering Foundation Inc. at gmail.com. You can also DM us. You can message us on our social media platforms. We will respond to you. We're open for all advice, all help, all volunteers. We love to team up with people. So, hey, please reach out to us. Anyone that wants support, we're also right now working on a massive homeless feeding in the downtown area of Miami. Um, Remember I was telling you Miami has a massive homeless um, problem here. So we're going to go in downtown Miami, and instead of giving them just sandwiches and things like that, we're going to give them hot food trays of really good food. And we're going to be giving out haircuts and we're going to be giving out clothes and toiletries and things of that nature. So we are taking donations for that. That's going to be done. That's coming up in the middle of next month. So the middle of May, we will be hosting our annual homeless feeding here in Miami, Florida, and we'll be moving to Tampa the following month after. You'll have, a, you'll have an event in Tampa, too, you're saying? Yes, we're going to be doing an event Excellent. in Tampa where we'll come there and do feedings as well. Let me know about that one for sure. I'd, I'd love to be able to participate, if that's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask this, and I know at the beginning of the intro, I, I gave your email address as thecoveringfoundation at gmail.com. I should say that's slower. I talk the Covering Foundation, but, Inc. <laughs> Inc. That's right. So the Covering Foundation Inc. Inc. at gmail dot com, and then you have yes. the handle on Instagram and Facebook at the Covering Foundation. Yes. Great, great. I want to sure. thank you guys for coming on. But before we we conclude our interview, I want to ask you. I do this with all my guests, so I'm not really surprised to ask this question to you. But I'll ask each of you guys this question. So I'll start with you, Rashonda. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And I'll go first. I always say owl because I have two parrots and I like to look at things from above and I always value the wisdom and integrity. So that's why I like the idea of my spirit animal being an owl. Hmm. If I was a spirit animal, I won't let y'all go first because I need to get that some time. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what fell in my spirit to right. to say because this is what I would be. But um, I honestly don't know why. Okay. And maybe you can educate me as to why I'm picking this animal. But my spirit animal would be a pig. Okay. There's a lot of yeah. meaning to 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 pigs. A lot of meaning. So they're very they're very loving animals. There's uh there's a lot to that you know they're they're uh, resourceful they're ingen- they're very ingenuity they have a lot of wisdom themselves they're very intelligent animals a lot of people prefer having them as pigs as a, as pets sometimes mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that could be probably it. Interesting. Awesome. Um, for me, <laughs> I would have to say I, I would I would choose the elephant, but I'm not choosing the elephant for the size for the reason for the size. It's your mammoth size. I'm choosing it for the simple fact that um, it also do have the wisdom um, component, but it also have every respect and family, and it, it has a lot of those qualities that it speaks about and it, it lives by every single day. And I feel like for some reason, it's just like I'm just drawing towards that for some reason at this particular point. So I would say an elephant. Okay. Excellent. And Kita, my spirit animal, I think it would be the salmon. And the reason why I say the salmon, because, um, like, I never back down from nothing that comes my way. Like, I'm an overcomer. Like, I never stop fighting. <laughs> So okay. I feel like I connect okay. more with the salmon because the salmon, it goes against the current. Like, no matter what, the salmon is the leader. I feel like Swim I'm a leader. Yeah. I'm a lion. I'm Create a leader. Trail. I feel like I'm a <laughs> Right. And I want them to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay. I am. Um, I love it. <laughs> I, I really am glad that we finally got this. This was on my bucket list since last summer, and I'm so happy we coordinated our schedules and had this to finally be able to do this, and it's great. And I can't wait until you guys get up to Tampa. By then, I'm sure, you know, a lot of this that we've all been stressed about is going to be slowing down in the future, and I, I look forward to, to, to be able to spend some time with you guys. And I just I'm, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your unique perspective and also advocating for LGBTQ rights and trans and african-american youth and everything in our in our in our society that needs what you do it's such a vital service that you're doing because no one else is doing it in these areas it's so important and i thank you guys for that we thank you for we thank you for having us jason it's my it's my pleasure it really is and 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 please keep me posted when things come up like when you have like a feed or something and you want me to mention it on my show i'll be happy to promote it and let you know let our and social media as well i'd like I think that that's vital, and, and I just I, – I definitely have enjoyed having this episode today. It's very important to me, so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, um, thank you for allowing us to – thank you, and thank you for allowing us to, you know, let the world know who we are. And if we did, we, we pray that we were able to, you know, reach someone out there that someone would just take a moment out of their day to think about those that are a little bit less fortunate than them. And, um, look, we're here. We're here. Just give us a shout. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you, guys. We appreciate your, um, always your love and support as well. Thank you so much. Uh, 100%, guys. Thank you. I just want to thank Rashonda, Marquita, and DeAndre for coming on the show today to talk about the Covering Foundation. Obviously, we got into a lot of other topics. When you're living in the world we're living in right now, you can't just approach things from one point of view anymore. You've got to get into the deep things of these issues and the substance of what causes the risks in our society, but what I think Rashonda, Marquita, and DeAndre represent to me isn't the struggles that we, you know, that, that, that they've experienced and have gone through. I think they're showing that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train, that there is support and love in our community that is unconditional, and you don't have to be connected to each other by family to experience it. You can make your own family. You can create your own direction and change things yourself if you have the courage to do so and the audacity to do it and the authenticity. And that's what I think for me, at least the covering foundation represents. You have three authentic people living their own path against the, the current of society and creating their own, their own trends. 
And that's what I respect deeply about Rashonda, Marquita, and DeAndre and the Covering Foundation. And I will 100% support what they are doing because of how vital it is to have advocates for LGBTQ rights in our society. And it's so important with the urban areas to have these underserviced areas recognized and to have these services provided and just basic human decency to give food to people and shelter and not to ostracize somebody because they're trans, LGBTQ, or any of those kind of things. And so with that said, I have to say that one of the best things that came out of June of last year for me, aside from finding my own viewpoints and standing by them and not being afraid to speak up for what I believe in, is meeting some amazing people. And Rashonda, Marquita, and DeAndre are three examples of that. If any of you have questions about the Covering Foundation, you can reach out to them directly, as I said previously, thecoveringfoundationinc at gmail.com. They're also available on Instagram and Facebook at the Covering Foundation. We're going to have different, um, different programming topics that deal with all these different areas because for me personally, it's a passion of mine to share, shed light on different things like this. LGBTQ rights are personal to me. They're important, and it's important that our society looks at these from a different point of view. And if we reach anyone in our audience who may not have had exposure to these issues or thought about them before, if any of this interview creates thought-provoking moments for either of you, then feel like it's worth it any day, any time of the day. So we're going to have more programming in the future that's going to present diverse viewpoints, and that's what this will be about. If anyone has any feedback about any of my shows, you can always email me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. And until next time, I look forward to uh, providing more shows to you. We're going we're gonna to continue with our format and stay positive because when you stay positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. 
Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. 